Thank you for tuning in to the Bright City Podcast. We're so honored to share this moment with you. For the next few weeks, our we will be in a sermon series called The Invitation. We are using clips from the TV series called The Chosen. So what does this mean for our podcast listeners? Each episode or sermon will be based on a few clips taken from The Chosen TV series. In order to have the full experience, we'll put the episode information and the timing of each clip used in corresponding order in the show notes. Now you might be thinking, this makes it really difficult to listen to the podcast as I drive, walk, or even work out. My prayer for us is rather than this being seen as difficult, it will allow us to be intentional as we listen and hear what God has for each of us. Listen to the message, take time to watch the clips, and I know God will meet you in a mighty way. I'm so excited for today's message, and I pray it blesses you beyond your wildest belief. Good morning, Bright City. How's everybody doing? Good. Well, this is, uh, um, it's, we're over the hill. We find ourselves halfway through our invitation series, and if you're new to Bright City and you're wondering what the heck is that, we have been going through uh, the Chosen TV series, and we've just kind of been walking through a few of the episodes and just really getting the heart behind who Jesus is and what he's doing in, uh, in creation and in culture and in our lives. And so we've kind of been using this TV series as a moment to do that. And one of the things that's interesting is sometimes when you get to the end of the season, you get sad. You're like, oh my gosh, we're at the end of the season. I experienced that this week. I, on Friday, thought I was going to watch another episode of Ted Lasso. Any Ted Lasso fans? Yeah. No, uh, uh, I, we don't have any episodes left. And so I, I cried silently on the inside. But with this moment and this uh, sermon series, we have more. There's more to go. So I'm excited about that. Uh, today, I want to just address just a few things. And one of the things that I want to address is just who Jesus is and what he's doing, because I think a lot of the pain points in our lives stem from the place of us either losing focus of who Jesus is and what he's doing in the world, but also sometimes we lose sight of it. And then also sometimes we just don't know. We're like, man, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Like if there are things that happen in our life, uh, maybe it's like the loss of someone that we love, or maybe there's just some sort of pain point that happens, some sort of unmet expectation that just might not work out. And, and oftentimes, at least for me, I find myself asking like, God, who are you? What are you doing in the world, especially in and through your son, Jesus? And one of the things I love about Jesus is Jesus is never scared of our questions. Like I think a lot of times people are like, oh, you just... You can't question God. You can't, you don't ask questions, just accept it. But one of the things that I love about who God is as a father and what he invites us into in and through his son, Jesus, is Jesus welcomes curiosity. Like he welcomes people pressing in and wanting to know more of who he is and what he's doing in the world. And as we've watched this TV series, we're kind of at that, like we have 2,000 years of at least experience of who Jesus might be. Like, even if you're not a believer, even if you've never heard of who Jesus is, and this might be your first time, like, you, you, you kind of know. Like, you, you kind of know. You're like, oh, that Jesus guy, that Jesus fellow. Like, you, there's kind of familiarity. Well, in this moment, in this TV series called The Chosen, they have no idea who this Jesus guy is. 
And I love that because it kind of gives me new eyes and new perspectives. But one of the things that they're just trying to figure out is that they know he's special, but they don't know why. Like they know he's showing up and he's doing some cool things, but they're not too sure about the full scope of everything. And so some people are kind of thinking like, oh, yeah, this Jesus guy, he's coming in and he's going to let the Romans know who they are and put them back in their place. And the Jewish nation will be in charge again one day. And so they're into that kind of Jesus. They're into like, do my nation and make it great uh, once again. Like they're, they're into that. And so some people are like, all right, this is the time, Jesus. And other people are like, hey, I've experienced the healing power of this man. Who in the world are you? And so we're kind of at this moment where they're trying to figure out who Jesus is. And I even look at our culture and our world, and I think sometimes we're trying to figure out who Jesus is. Like even in the hurt, even in the pain, even in the, the questions that we might have, it's like, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? And so that's kind of where they are, and that's kind of where we are in this moment. And so the beautiful thing about the story of Jesus is it doesn't just start with the Gospels. One of the things I love about God is God has been preparing a relationship for you and I since the foundation of time. Like he has been at work in the world. Like he hasn't taken the hands off the steering wheel. Like he is still driving. The GPS is honed in. He knows exactly where he's going and he knows exactly what he's doing. And so when we look at this first clip today, we're actually going to look at Jesus kind of starting in those beginning moments. We're going to look at that God doing his thing and that being glimpses of who Jesus is going to be. We're going to look at God forming a people because I want to talk about today, what does it look like to be a people of God? And so we're kind of going to start really, really, really far back thousands of years ago. I want to pause and tell you about a special opportunity for the people of Bright City, Charleston. Have you ever struggled to live like Jesus in your own context? Do you struggle in having a vision of what it looks like for the church to bring the kingdom into culture? I know I've struggled both of these things. A few years ago, we wrote a curriculum called The Way of the Bright, a creative vision for shining in a dark world. The heart behind this curriculum was to provide the owners of Bright City with a path to order our lives around seven different tenets to help us encounter God and shine in our culture. This fall, for the first time ever, we're offering The Way of the Bright as one of our weekly groups so we can walk through the material together growing closer to God and growing closer to each other at the same time. This will be an incredible group for all who struggle with having a vision of what it looks like to live like Jesus in our world. This would also be an incredible opportunity for anyone who is new to Bright City or anyone who wants to dive in deeper to this church family. We're hosting the group here at Bright City Church every Monday night for eight weeks starting on September 13th. The groups start at 6.30 p.m. and will wrap up at 8 p.m. And for all those who need it, we'll be offering some amazing children's activities. We're anticipating a fruitful time as we navigate this sacred commitment we can make with one another and God. And I can't wait to see you there. I love that line. I love that. That one line is, is we didn't choose him, but he 
chose us. We didn't choose him, but he chose us. And one of the things I think about when it comes to choosing, I think a lot of times we see choosing as exclusive, like, oh, they chose me, or they chose them and not me, or they chose that and not this. Like, one of the things I love about the mission of God and the heart of God, the heart of the Father, and what he's doing in and through Jesus is he is constantly choosing. Like, he is constantly inviting. And so when I hear that line, we didn't choose him, he first chose us. I think one of the things that is at war within the church right now is kind of approaching Jesus as an a la carte savior. And here's what I mean by that is I think sometimes we approach God and we approach our relationship or this invitation that we have in Jesus. And we're like, hey, today Jesus is good. Like it's Sunday. Today is Jesus day and everything's great on Jesus day. I feel great on Jesus day. And today is going to be about me and God. And then Monday comes and then you're like, oh, God, Monday's here. I don't even know God. I don't even believe. Do I believe in God? Like, would God make me get up early and go to work? with people that I have a hard time with and do things that I don't like doing and doing that again on Tuesday. And then it gets harder on Wednesday, but that's okay because it's hump day and then Thursday and then the weekend. Like it's that cycle that we repeat within ourselves. And so I think sometimes we want to either silo the invitation that we have in and through Jesus or we want to compartmentalize it. And, And that is at war with who Jesus is and what he's doing in and through our lives. Like one of the most beautiful things about God is that we did not choose him. He chose us. And you're like, okay, so what does that mean? How does that work? Here's the thing I love about what that means is that means it had nothing to do with us and everything to do with Jesus. And the most beautiful thing about that is if it has something to do with us, if it has anything to do with us, that means it requires our work. That means it requires our sacrifice. That means it requires all the things that we need to do and check the boxes off in order to follow Jesus as it has to do with us. But the way that God set it up is that it has nothing to do with our work and everything to do with the work of God. It has everything to do with who Jesus is and what he accomplished on our behalf. It has everything to do with who Jesus was and how he walked this earth and how he hung on that cross and how he got off that cross and got out of that tomb and resurrected himself in and through the power of God and came back and unleashed his church. This is the invitation that we have in and through Jesus. It's not based on the weather. It's not based on how we feel. It is based on how God felt about you. How amazing is that? I love how this is coming from Jesus's lips. This is John's gospel. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you. Like when I think about the ragtag group of the disciples, like I think this is exactly what it is. Like they were doing their own thing. They were living life in their own way. Like they had dead-end fishing businesses. One guy was a tax collector. One guy was a religious zealot. Like two guys were brothers who fought all the time and they got the nickname Sons of Thunder. Like this is who these people were. Some people were hurting and broken. Like some of the women who followed Jesus like needed deliverance. And I just, and I think about it and and the gospel and who Jesus is, he's like, hey, I need you to know that I looked at your life. I looked at the fullness of everything that it was and everything that you were walking in and I chose you. I appointed you. And in this context, he's like, not only did I choose you and appoint you to follow me, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually gonna do some good through your life. Like Peter, you put your foot in your mouth every time you open that mouth. 
but I'm going to build my church on that. Like, I, I can work with that. Like, I, I can work with you because it's not you, it's about me. And so when John hears that, Jesus say that in his mouth, out of his mouth, and then in 1 John 4, he writes this. Like, can you imagine, like, decades later rehearsing this? Like, man, I remember that one time that Jesus said that we did not choose him, but he chose us and he appointed us. And then he writes something like this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he loved us so much that he sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. I love that. This morning I was reading about Jesus uh, when they bring the woman and, and they're like trying to trick Jesus and really throw this woman under the bus. And Jesus is drawing in the sand, which I need you to know that's the first thing I'm asking when I get to heaven. Like, what were you drawing in the sand? Like, were you playing tic-tac-toe? Like, it was like you and God, like, dueling it off as, like, they were talking. Like, what were you drawing in the sand? I need to know. And so they bring this woman who's been caught in just a sinful act, and they, they're, like, trying to ruin her life and trying to ruin Jesus' life. And they're like, what are you going to do? Like, we need to stone her, right? And so then Jesus, it's one of the most famous lines. Like, you could, you could never hear about the church. Like, you could never hear about Jesus. You could never hear about God in general. But everybody knows this one line. And it's like, hey, who's going to be the first to throw the stone? It's, if, you're, if you don't have any sin, throw the stone. And what I, what I love about that is he's saying, hey, I need you to know that not only am I loving you and not only am I extending an invitation into following me, is I see everything into who you are. And I'm not throwing the stone. I am unleashing my forgiveness. Now go and sin no more. I mean, that was the invitation that she received. And so John, probably rehearsing that too, like, hey, this is not love that, that we love God, but that he first loved us. Like he, he looked at everything of who I am and who I was. And he sent a sacrifice for who I was and how far I was for him. He made the way. He extended the invitation. He looked at me. He said, I choose you. Not only am I going to choose you, I'm going to make a way for you to be with me so that you can be with the Father. And then Romans 5 says it this way. Maybe you've heard this before, that God demonstrate his own love for us and that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Like, have you ever been against something or someone and then that person shows you kindness? It's like even, even worse. You're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I hate you. That's Okay. <laughs> I love you. No, 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 no. That makes me even more mad. I hate you. You can't love me. No, no, it's okay. We love each other. No, get away from me. I hate you. You don't, this is what God's talking about. He's like, hey, I, I need you to know that even though you might not have known that you didn't want anything to do with me, you didn't want anything to do with me. You, you might have just been living for self, even if it was a good life of living for self even if you serve the poor, even if you did all these things, and even in those moments living for yourself, I chose you. And so this is what Jesus is doing, is he's extending an invitation for you and I to follow him. But one of the things that we have to realize when it comes to following him is we can't do it at our own pleasure, and we can't do it at our own preferences is we have to follow Jesus in full surrender of everything that he's calling us to because of everything of who he is. 
Like that's the invitation that he is extending to us. And there is a war going on in the hearts of the people of God that says that you can take up whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and follow Jesus that way. In the parts that you don't like, you leave. In the parts that you love, you take up. I mean, that, that's not following someone. That, that's, that's following self. That's not following Jesus and so when I, when, I, when I look back to Jacob, it's like thousands of years of God forming a people and choosing a people and saying, hey, I choose you. Well, I don't know who you are. That's okay. I choose you. Well, you don't know what I've done. That's okay. I choose you. But you don't know what I'm about. That's okay. I choose you. But you don't know all the things that you have to fix in order in my life so that I can follow you. That's okay. I choose you. And I already fixed those things 2,000 years ago on the cross. I'm, I made a way. I made a way. And the enemy wants to do everything he can to convince us that the invitation either depends on us or is about our preferences. And that's not the invitation of God. The invitation of God is that, hey, I am choosing people because I have been choosing people all along. And I want people to follow me. And I want to love people. And I want to see people come under the redemption and the love of Jesus. Like, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm about. And so we can't let our lives be about the things that we just want to either a la carte choose or choose sometimes when it's convenient for us. Do we live our lives or do you live your life in a way that says, I am all in with Jesus or I am some of the way in with Jesus? Only you can answer that question. But here's the most beautiful thing about Jesus is he takes those moments and he's not like, hey, you're out. Like that's, if you're not giving me full self, you're out. Like the invitation always extends for you and I. Anytime that we want to be about Jesus and be about what he's doing in this world, we get to accept that invitation and we get to follow Jesus wholeheartedly and say, Jesus, I'm in. Like you loved me so much that you gave your life for me, I'm in. You loved me so much that you looked at me that, and when I was far from you, you got close to me. I'm in. I've never experienced that love before. Wait, this is not about my perfection. This is not about my performance. Wow, this whole culture says that it's about my perfection and my performance, and it's actually causing stress and anxiety in my life, and I don't know what to do about it. This, this world has let me down, and I'm getting discouraged and depressed about it. And Jesus is like, hey, I have another way, and the way that I have is for you, but it can't only be halfway. It can't only be a quarter of the way. It has to be fully, solely, and wholly about me and what I'm doing in your life and what I'm doing in the world. We did not choose him, but he first chose us. How amazing is that? And I think the enemy is gonna do whatever he can to make us think that we can take the parts of Jesus that we love and the parts of Jesus that we're okay with and leaving the other parts behind. And Jesus is like, hey, I don't want you to leave any of those parts behind because if you leave behind some of those parts, then you are missing out on the full abundance about what it means to follow me. He chose us. We did not choose him. So where do we go from here? One who's been given invitations to follow God as a person. Like, what does that mean next? Because that's where I want to do our second clip. I love this scene because it really gives us a snapshot into like one of the next things that God is doing. And one of the next things that God is doing is not only is he inviting us to be people or as a person who follow him, he's calling us and inviting us to be the people of God as we follow him. 
If I had to say one of the next things that is the most attacked thing when it comes to the enemy attacking God's people is he is attacking the church, the people of God. I love this scene because I love how they're sitting around the table. I love how they're cutting up. I love how they're joking with one another and kind of making fun of each other. That wouldn't fly at the Connolly household because we no sarcasm, no jokes, no, no roasting, no roasting, no shots fired, none of that. But here you see them at the table. They're having a good time. They're talking. It's like a little bit of rehearsing God's faithfulness. They look to uh, Lilith, who is Mary, Mary Magdalene, and they're like, hey, remember that time? that you, you got delivered. Remember that time that God worked in your life? Remember that time that Jesus stepped in and he changed your life forever? And so there's all these things that are happening around the table, around the community, around the people of God. And not, not only do we want to a la carte our relationship with Jesus, we want to a la carte our relationship with the church. We just do. And I think the enemy has made us buy into a lie that we can follow God by ourselves. Like, I just think he has. This is going to be really hard to hear, but it is so necessary to say. If you worship by yourself, then you are worshiping yourself. If you worship by yourself, if you worship with your preferences and your podcast and your quiet time with God, and I don't, I don't need the people of God because I'm a person of God and, and I have God, then that is ultimately worshiping yourself because you are caring more about what you think rather than what God's word says. And so what I've noticed, at least in my own life, is that sometimes preferences become God in my life and preferences make for a powerless God. But if we allow the promises of God to guide our lives, then that will make us a powerful people. It just will. And so when it comes to your relationship with God as the people of God, do you see the urgency and the abundance that comes from the people of God? Do you see the beauty of what it means to walk with God as a people? Do you see the vision of what God is doing in and through his church? That's why I love the scene because I'm like, man, I just loved how they were with each other. Like, I love how the God of the universe came and put on flesh, walked this earth, and one of the first things that he did in his ministry was invite people to himself. Like, he could have gone and he could have done it all alone, right? Like, I love how there's these suggestions in the Gospels that, like, hey, Jesus, at any moment you could change this thing. Like, even the enemy knows that. In the temptation story, like, he takes them through all these temptations because he's, he's like, I, I know at any moment you can make this happen. Like when they're, we're about to put them on the cross, like I know at any moment you could do away with this. But for whatever reason, he walks and does the slow work of redemption among the people of God. And so he hangs out with people that normal people wouldn't hang out with. And he does life with political zealots. He does life with tax collectors. He does life with people who had been shunned to the side. He does life with all these people because he believed in the power of the people of God. And I think if we are going to continue to a la carte the people of God, meaning the church of God, then we are going to be a powerless people and we're going to be lacking the full power and the full abundance that God wants to unleash in this world. We just will. I love how Paul writes about the body, the church. And one of the things he says, he's like, he starts talking about people of the, of the body being actual body parts. So he's like, hey, you got the hand, you got the foot, you got the arm, you got all these things. But one of the things that happens is when the foot doesn't show up or the arm doesn't show up, then that completely stunts who the people of God are to be. 
And so have you ever thought about yourself that way? Like, have you ever thought about like, hey, listen, if I don't show up this morning or when the church is gathering, then the church is stunned. Like, if I don't show up and be the fullness of who I am in Christ Jesus, then we're already playing from behind. I mean, what would happen if we changed our outlook that way? Like, what would happen if we actually believed that we actually mattered when it comes to the people of God? And if you have any questions as to whether you actually matter when it comes to the people of God, then you need to look at the work of the cross because God does not purchase what he does not plan to use. He does not purchase a people so that we can be passive people. Like, that's not who he is. He purchases a people because he has purpose for those people. And he's like, hey, I, I have power. I have people. I can get some stuff done now. And so when it comes to your life, are you allocarting the people of God? Have you ever had like an amazing promise that someone promises you and you're like, no, I'm good. I don't need that. Like, but you don't understand. This is this amazing thing I want to tell you and it's going to change your life forever for good. I'm good. You keep that. Like I have kids. I know how that works. Hey guys, just uh, so you know, like after dinner, I just want to tell you something really cool that's about to happen. Oh, we don't make it till dinner. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, it has to be told now or else I'm going to die. Like, they're going to take me outside and, like, hang me up by my ears. Like, this is how it works as, as kids, right? Aren't we spiritual kids? That was last week, right? Like, aren't we children? And so do we look at the promises of God that way? And if we do look at the promises of God that way, have you looked at the promises that he provides for us when it comes to his people? I love how Matthew 18 says this. He says that when there's a few people together and they have committed to be the church and they're committed to be identified as the people of God, I am there in their presence, right? And I think sometimes we're like, oh, if two or three are gathered in a coffee shop, then he's with us, right? Well, if you look at the context of what's happening there, he's talking about some pretty serious stuff. He's like, hey, if you see someone struggling, you need to go talk to them. And if they don't listen to you, you need to bring a few people and you go talk to them. Like, talk to them about, about what this means for their life. Like, you, you go talk to them because you love them. He's like, hey, I, I want you to know that I'm in that work. That's hard work. I'm in that work. You're about to, you're about to go share some hard things with someone, and, and it's going to change their life as to whether they do it or don't do it, and you might bring a couple other people. That's hard. That's difficult. I hate confrontation. I do. I'm just like, oh, we're good. Everything's fine. You should go talk to, confront. No, 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 no confrontation. But the word says that when two or three people are committed to each other and committed to the accountability of the people of God, that I'm there. It might be a coffee shop, but I'm probably assuming that he probably means the powerful meaning of what it means to be the people of God. And if you move from Matthew 18, you start to recall things like, First Peter 2, he's like, hey, I need you to know that you are my chosen people, a royal priesthood. And I think if, if we were to read that, if there was like a 2021 version of the Bible, like it would probably read like this. I am a chosen person. I am a chosen priesthood, just me and myself. And when I read that, he's like, hey, I need you to know that I'm doing something not just in you. I'm doing something in the collective people of God. You are chosen, but you are a, bar, a part of a bunch of chosen people. And you guys just aren't powerless people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. In fact, I need you to know, let's, let's wrap our minds around this. 
I need you to know that I called you out of the darkness that you were living in, and now you live in marvelous light. Like God's doing a bigger work that's bigger than us as a person. talks about his promises. He talks about practice. Like in this scene right here, this interaction, he's like, hey, the people of God practice being the people of God. We're not, we're not in it for hearsay anymore. We're not in here so we can just talk about God's word. Like you know, he was like, hey, I'd go, go and learn what this means. And the Pharisees are like, well, no, 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 no. You don't need to learn me anything. I already know what this means. Like I, I'm a professional in God's word. And Jesus is like, hey, you need to go really think about what this means. To be the church means that we hear the word of God, we hear the promises of God, and we practice the word of God. Because if we're not, we're hypocrites. And no one likes being a hypocrite, right? Like, no one wants to be called a hypocrite. That's like the worst. It's like, you can't call me that. That's like worse than any other word is like a hypocrite. That means that I say one thing and don't do another thing. To be the people of God means that we are willing to come together and live in the abundant promises that he has given to us. I don't know too many people that would leave the abundance that that means on the table. Like who would look at God and say, and God say to them, I have so much abundance for you. And you're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. God has so much more for us. He is inviting us to follow him and he's also inviting us to follow him together. How amazing is that? How amazing is it that you don't have to do life alone? How amazing is it that when you come in this building, you are encouraged to keep going for one more day or for one more week? How amazing is it that you don't have to be down and depressed by yourself? You have a people who are willing to carry the burdens of one another. I've heard that in the New Testament before because that's talking about the people of God. I think all the things that people are feeling in this world, in this culture, stem from not fully being plugged into who Jesus is and the people that he provided for us. I really believe that. I really believe that. That's not everything, but I'm telling you, I think that that would hit about 95% of the problems that we're facing in this world. He's called us to be a people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So have you found your family? Have you found people that you could journey with and follow Jesus with together? Here's the even bigger question. Have you accessed the totality of those people? Here's the thing I know about the church. It is a weird thing. You get out what you put in. It's weird. It's like reflexive. It's like looking in a mirror. Like you get out what you put in. That's now how it works with our relationship with God, but that's how it works with the people of God. There is so much on the table. I mean, I like love that feast. Like there's so much on the table of what it means to be a part of the family of God walking in the powerful kingdom of God. So before we play this next clip, I want to set up the scene. So earlier we saw Jacob digging a well, and I just love how God works because the things that they did thousands and thousands of years ago prepared the way for the ministry of Jesus. So in this next clip, you're going to see a moment that you might be familiar with, and it's actually found in John 4. And in this moment, Jesus is going to come to a well, and he's going to meet a woman, and they're going to talk a lot about about things and about theology and about culture. And Jesus is just going to straight shoot her and it's going to change her life forever. Let's watch this last clip. How amazing is that? 
I, th- I think there is a war going on. And here's the crazy thing about the enemy is he is like singing the same stupid song. He's got no other song. Picture the song that gets stuck in your head and you can't get out. And it happens over and over again. The Rickrolled, you've you ever seen that? You got Rickrolled. It's all about the youth right now is you get Rickrolled. Every time I hear that song once, it gets stuck in my head and I can't get it out. That's how the enemy works. He gets one song stuck in his head, in your head. He's got one, one thing, one drum, one melody, and he is trying to lull the church asleep. He's trying to forget. He's trying to make us forget who we are and that we've been invited to follow Jesus. He's trying to make us underappreciate that. He's trying to make us compartmentalize it. He's trying to make us leave certain things behind and only take half of what that means. And he's doing the same with the church. He's trying to make you lose sight of who you are in the bigger picture of what you're involved in. He's trying to lull you asleep about the family of God. He's trying to convince you that you don't need it. He's trying to convince you that they don't need you. And he's just going to keep singing that same song. He's going to keep beating that drum. And here's the other thing that he wants to beat. And this is the last thing. He wants to convince us that God is not at work right now. I mean, this is the picture of what it means for God to be at work. He looks at people. He sees exactly who they are. He knows exactly where they've been. He knows exactly where they've come from. And he says, I choose you. And I was hoping that you would be the one to tell others. Like, how amazing is that? He's like, hey, I was planning on it. This was the plan. The plan, the plan was that you go tell others. Also, just a little fun fact, side note, is that this was the first person of who he told he was exactly who he was. Like, he's got these guys following him. They're trying to figure it out. And he looks straight at this woman who's had five husbands. And she's like, he's like, hey, let's start this thing. And we're choosing you. How amazing is that? This week, I had this thing when I was reading God's word. And it was actually on the living water. And he's, you know, just like he's talking about the food in that moment, he's talking about the living water and, you know, how anyone who wants to come and drink this water, it's like good for them. And I'm like, oh, man, this has got to be better than LaCroix. This has got to be amazing. And so I'm like thinking about it and like the living water. And I was like, man, it's just crazy how many things that Jesus extends to you and I and how little I'm aware of. Like it's, it's not that he's not extending good things to us. It's just that I'm not aware of it. And so I had this moment where I was like, man, it's just so crazy that how sometimes I am unaware of what he's doing in his kingdom. And because I'm unaware, I'm unavailable. And because I'm unavailable, I miss out on the abundance that he has for us. I think he is calling you and I to be aware of his kingdom, to be available for his kingdom. And if we can do those things, then we will find abundance abundance is on the table. But the question is, is will we answer that invite? He is inviting you. He has invited you. He's inviting you to be a part of a people. And he is going to use that people, those people, to invite others into what he's doing. That's what he's doing. If you're wondering what Jesus is doing, if you're wondering what God is up to in this world, that is what he's doing. And the enemy is going to do everything he can to convince you that that's not what he's doing. Let me pray for us. Father, I just pray invitation and what it meant to follow you. Father, I just pray that 
uh, we would just be reminded of what it means to be a part of your people. Father, I just pray right now, if there is any shame in this room or any condemnation when it comes to the people of God, I know we are all broken and we all have baggage. And so, Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that all the shame and all the condemnation would fall off. This is an invitation into a feast, a celebration, a party, a people, uh, just friends. It's it's such an amazing invitation, and I think sometimes we want to convince ourselves that we don't belong, or we haven't earned it, or we've done something to, to disqualify ourselves. And so, Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that that would all fall off. You are inviting your people into the mission of the church and the mission of the kingdom. Father, may we receive that. May we be aware of that, and may we be available to what that means. And Father, may we just just look for those moments where we are calling other people and telling other people about you on your behalf. How amazing is that? How beautiful is that? God, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bright City Podcast. If today's message and clips from the Chosen TV series prompted you to answer the invitation to follow Jesus for the first time, we want to hear about it please email us at hello at brightcity.church and we'd love to help you take the next steps in your faith walk. If you call yourself an owner at Bright City, thank you in advance for your generosity. You can do so by Venmo at Bright City or by visiting brightcity.church slash generosity. Additionally, if you have any other questions, please feel free to visit us at brightcity.church. And lastly, I'd love to close our time together with a reading from Matthew 5. You are the light of the world, a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.